Coming to you from the southwestern corner of Manitoba, sharing fresh perspectives from real educators. Tune in as teachers relate their stories of professional learning, classroom practice, and the challenges they've overcome to teach like a boss. Welcome to the third episode of Teach Like a Boss. This is a podcast recorded by teachers for teachers in Fort LaVos School Division. Today, I'm really excited to be joined by some pre-service teachers from Brandon University. My name is Devin Caldwell, and some of you might know that in addition to my role as a kindergarten teacher, I teach sessionally at Brandon University. So these are some of the students from one of my classes, and they have agreed to share some insights, some of their questions, um, some of their goals and needs for the future as they prepare to enter the teaching profession. So I'm delighted to have all of them with me today. I may or may not have made this part of an assignment. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Anyway, we will kick it off and get started. So the first question I'd like to ask all of you is, why did you decide to be a teacher? What drew you to this profession? For me, it was kind of looking up to teachers that I had in the past, um, what I liked about them, what I didn't necessarily like about their teaching style. um, And I just love building relationships with children, um, helping them reach goals um, in the classroom and outside. Uh, For myself, I... uh I'm a music education uh, student teacher right now, and I found that music was something that I really enjoyed doing, and I had some really good mentors growing up in terms of music teachers at my school or extracurricular activities that I did. I had teachers there that were just absolutely amazing, and I found myself as I was growing up, I wanted to be able to emulate that and inspire the same sort of uh, emotion that music evoked in me and other students. I am also in music education and I decided to go into teaching because I had several teachers throughout my education that I did not like um, and lots that I really did like and I found that the ones that weren't very nice, they had a big impact on everyone in the class including myself and they really had an impact on my life and just your self-confidence and different things. It really affects your entire self, not just in the classroom. And as a child, I would look up to these teachers and think, why is this person a teacher? They obviously don't want to be here. They don't like children. Why are they respecting children? And I just wanted to be one more teacher that respects children and shows them that a teacher is someone who is supposed to love them and treat them as they should be treated, which is not how all of my teachers were. And I want to be able to be the opposite, to have a good influence on all my students. For me, I've always been around young adults kind of all my life. So that kind of attracted me to teaching. And for teaching like kind of just flew through me. I like talking. I like uh, pretending to be a kid when I'm around other young kids or teenagers or whatever. So I discovered that I really had passion for like teaching. So that got me into teaching. Even when I decided to leave, because at the time, I went into banking, I discovered that that wasn't for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, the stress of going home late and having to just write papers and face the computer, that wasn't really what I wanted. I wanted to stand in the class, I wanted to do group activities, I wanted to talk to kids, I wanted to uh, share with them, I wanted to be engaged with young kids. So that really got me into wanting to come into teaching. That was why I did, kind of came back to do an after degree, the passion and the thought that this is what I want. I like being with them. And, I like sharing with them. And for me, um, I was a graduate student for a time, and um, 
uh, as part of that experience, I was um, a teaching assistant, so I had a little tutorial, and um, I was also a sessional instructor for a time, and um, so kind of from that experience, I realized that um, I really liked the teaching side of things, and um, I was I felt less inclined towards um, the uh, research and writing side of things. So that was kind of what was kind of that experience that drew me to um, the education program. So being more of a practitioner instead of a, a researcher. Yeah. Exactly. So whether you've had really amazing teachers that have inspired you or teachers that maybe inspired you through their example to come into the profession and do things differently and have a positive impact on the life of children. Like we all come, we all come to this for different reasons. And I heard you use the word passion. Mm -hmm. And I think passion is, is so important as a teacher. And it's when you lose that passion that I think we see, see the kinds of teachers that you, know, you were talking about. Yeah. And, and then I also heard a mention of relationship building because I think really at its essence, the teaching profession is, it's so much about relationship building. Um, and when you go out to student teach, it's, it's really important that you have a strong relationship with your cooperating teacher. Um, yes, cooperating teachers are there to teach the children, but they're also a really important teacher for you. So a question I wanted to pose to all of you is what can cooperating teachers do to support and make sure that their student teachers have a really worthwhile experience? So um, this podcast will be released at a, a good time with you guys going out to student teach in March and for cooperating teachers who are receiving a student, like what's, what's advice you can give them? What do they need to know? What can they do to support our pre-service teachers? I think they should be friendly. Uh, they should be very friendly and have an open class for us. Some of them, like you said a while ago, they, we need to, they need to build a relationship with us. They, they don't need to treat us like we know it all. When, when we are there with them, like walk us through the process. This is my class. This is how I want things done. They should kind of make us go through what, what, is, their, what is their plan, what is the routine. They should just like have an open mind for us. That is my thought on that. So take the time to explain what they're doing. Yeah. I know yeah. I've been in both situations where um, I've stepped in and the cooperating teacher thought I was much more capable than I was. And I was just floundering and feeling like I wasn't doing a good job. Then there's also kind of the flip side of that where you're being really micromanaged and not giving mm -hmm. the freedom and independence. So I think it's important for them to understand that although they have their set routines in their class, they need to let us come in and set our own routines and expectations of the students um, and supply us with resources that we can look at to find different things. Yeah. Yeah. Resources, yeah. yeah. I believe that it should be a really cooperative in the sense that um, having those, starting those conversations with your uh, cooperating teachers before you get into your placement is really important. And being able to explain like what you're working on right now in your classes and what you can take from those classes and apply into an actual classroom setting is really important. But also coming from a music perspective again, knowing what's in the classroom is super important. <laughs> Especially at an elementary level, there you can have barred instruments, some programs aren't even having those, or like certain non-pitch percussion instruments, or even a piano or a smart board in the classroom, like sometimes those are not found in a music classroom and for certain divisions. And so it's really important to be able to have that communication before you even arrive for your first day. Mm -hmm. So 
Clawbrain teachers need to take the time to make sure that you're aware of all the resources there. Yes, yeah. definitely. Well, I know in my kindergarten room, everything is, all my shelves are covered with fabric. So, like, you don't see what's there unless you know where to look for it. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I think that's a really important point. I think it's also important that your CT lets you go at your own pace. That's what it was like when I was student teaching. My CT let me go as far as I, I wanted to, and she was very reassuring that if I was floundering, I could just let her know that I'd be like, hey, you, can you just like help me out or take over? She would, she would offer to take over if I felt like I couldn't do it. Um, she never had to because she was so supportive before the lesson began, but even just having the stress taken off of you that she, your CT is there to support you if you, are, if you do need the help during the lesson, Having that stress taken off you makes the lesson go better because you automatically have more confidence that even if it, you're stuck about what to do, your CT will help you and then everything will be fine. So it just really makes it a lot less stressful. So just having that cooperating teacher who's you know there to lend a hand, yeah, kind exactly. of just provide that gradual release of, of responsibility. And then you're less nervous and then the students don't see that you're nervous because you know that you have the support of your CT. I think another big thing is to let your student teacher know how to maybe get involved, like what's going on in the school. Like this is when the staff meetings are, whatever it might be. This is maybe a parent-teacher interview day. Like I think they need to lay that out a little bit more clearly. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's also important to kind of relate that to your student teachers um, to give them an opportunity to kind of get involved in the community that yeah. is the school. Mm -hmm. Like school, yeah. maybe you want to start volunteering for like intramurals or yeah. like extracurricular yeah. school activities. Yeah. Or hey, like you play volleyball, don't you? Mm -hmm. Like maybe you should see if um, you can volleyball coach. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. For me, um, just a second to second some points that were made earlier. It's the autonomy thing, and obviously it's different for for different um, student teachers coming in uh, to a school. Some like more autonomy, some want more guidance and structure. Um, uh, for me, uh, in my only experience student teaching so far, I was given a lot of autonomy, and that was really really nice. The only th other thing I would add would be that. You know, when I think of when I think of the role of the CT, that must be so hard and so much work to have your own class and then to have someone else step in, and you have to figure out kind of what this relationship is going to be like and how you're going to help this person. And um, so, yeah, just thinking about the role of the CT, I feel like that must be hard having a student come into your class. I don't know. I speaking from someone who's been a cooperating teacher a number of times. Like I generally find it really energizing and exciting, and it sometimes like really reignites my own passion and encourages me to try brand new things while I have an extra set of hands. So like often I'll say to my student teacher like, "Hey, I've really been wanting to try this. Are you willing to try this with me and kind of dive into some new things?" And I always like think, "Oh no, like oh I only have them for two oh. more weeks. Oh no, I only have them for one more week." <laughs> How am I going to survive without them? And then they go and we're sad. But then at the same time, it just returns to our old routine and we just ease right back into it. So, I love that team teaching. Yeah, I really think that that is important for cooperating teachers to, especially at the beginning, to offer opportunities to kind of co-teach or team teach with their student teacher. Because sometimes like leading a lesson from the absolute beginning to end can be daunting. So maybe if it's more like, okay, well, why don't you start off, you do the story, you do this, and then I'll jump in and do this part. 
Okay, um, if there's one suggestion you could offer to cooperating teachers, what's something they should absolutely avoid doing when they have a student teacher? Is there kind of like one thing or a piece of advice you'd offer, like please don't do this when you have a student teacher? Um, I would say throw the student teacher in without any notice. Um, I don't know, mm -hmm. give a couple days notice that you're gonna be teaching this um, mm -hmm. on this day, not just show up that day, okay, we're gonna take on this. Um, I don't know, that's just my opinion. Yeah, I, I would uh, definitely agree in terms of kind of giving notice before a class is gonna be taught and everything, and that's worked out with faculty advisors as well as to when they're gonna come and watch and everything. But on top of that, I think following through on those dates is very important because you might have a student teacher that might not be prepared for a certain lesson, but I think it's still a really important moment for a student teacher to have that moment of, oh my gosh, mm -hmm. I'm not prepared for a class. And it, it's, I think that's more important to have that moment when you're in a student teaching placement rather than having your own classroom and freaking out. And yeah. So I think just knowing when to, mm -hmm. when to push and say like, yep, yeah, you're, you're teaching yeah. today, and then when to, when to back off a little too. Mm -hmm. Any other things that cooperating teachers should really avoid? Uh, I think we should avoid uh, feedback that are not sincere. If you're going to say um, your student teacher is okay, make sure you are saying it's good, it's good. You don't have to tell me that what I'm doing is good and my supervisor comes and you say, oh, he's kind of trying. Mm -hmm. Like, don't give feedback that are not sincere. Mm -hmm. So you should be straightforward and, and be truthful. So yeah. that's mm -hmm. what I think. Be open and transparent. Be open and transparent. So what they say to you should be the same message they're yeah. giving to your like faculty supervisor yeah. or advisor who's mm -hmm. coming in. Mm -hmm. I think that's a good point too. Mm -hmm. What about feedback? Like, what kinds of feedback do you find valuable from a cooperating teacher? I think constructive feedback is great mm -hmm. to have. That's how you learn, right? All good feedback is awesome to hear, but it doesn't help you mm -hmm. prepare for the future. That's what I'll tell my, my student teachers, like no matter how great of a teacher you are, there's always room for growth. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And like I, I sometimes do like the two stars and a wish. I'll be like, okay, these were two things you did really great. And then next time you plan a lesson, this is one thing you might consider doing differently. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, sorry, just kind of going back to another little point, um, the whole being clear with knowing if you want if a student teacher is expected to write a lesson plan and hand it into you so you can kind of assess whether or not this is a good enough plan to have ready in for the class, I found in my first placement, um, I never really had a written out plan as to what I was gonna do for my students, but uh, my teacher assured me that that was okay, and I felt very uneasy about that, um, but the part of the class that felt really nice was that we would have three groups of grade three come in one day and so I could perfect the lesson as I went which was really nice um, but it was a bit scary doing it the first time with only having a very brief sort of like directional approach for myself mm -hmm. and I think there should be a little bit more structure because we come from university where we're writing lesson plans or unit plans that are very structured and mm -hmm. then jumping into a placement like that with zero structure felt a little uneasy. Well, and just because a cooperating teacher is really comfortable with going without a lesson plan being mm -hmm. written down in exhaustive detail. And of course, once you've been teaching for a while, you don't write down every detail. But recognizing that our student teachers probably need more support. Yes. 
Anything else on that topic? Or on feedback that is useful? We pretty much covered that? I think maybe a, a CT should make sure they are giving feedback. Sometimes they may run to the next lesson and then, or it's the end of the day or it's recess, then they may not have time to sit down and actually talk to you about the feedback they were thinking about during your lesson. But I think it's important to find some time throughout the day or the next day about the day before to just go through and chat with your student teacher. Mm -hmm. I think just carving out that time every day for mm -hmm. even a quick five minute debrief yeah. Is, yeah. is key. Yeah, mm -hmm. making time for feedback is very important. Okay, um, what questions do you have about the teaching profession? Like, what are things that you'd really like to find out more about? <laughs> what do you think you need to become proficient in before you'll be ready to take on a classroom of your own? Any big questions you have about the teaching profession? I know that when I graduated years ago from Brandon University, um, I felt I had a really, like, quality, well-rounded program. But one of the things that I still didn't feel confident in was teaching reading. And I know when I left, I was like, I'm an early years teacher and I still feel like I don't know how to teach reading. And that was a big one for me. And it wasn't anything that had like a quick and easy answer. It was like years of, you know, learning on my own, going to professional development, actually putting ideas into practice and seeing how they worked in the classroom. So I remember back when I was kind of in your shoes, for me, the big question was reading. How do I teach children to read? Behavior. Oh, behavior. 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 Mm -hmm. Classroom management's a big one, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> because if you don't have that behavior under control, it's really hard for quality teaching and learning to take place. Mm -hmm. Something that isn't necessarily a question I have, but is a bit of a worry of mine, is like, we are sitting here as student teachers and we all have an idea of a specific job that we want to find, like whether it be a specific subject or a certain grade that you want to teach. And a part of me is really nervous as to, am I going to be able to find that specific subject grade that I want to teach right off the bat? Or am I going to have to fish around for my position at first by getting experience in other places and everything? Or next thing you know, you're going to be teaching like senior years phys ed. Exactly. <laughs> Something completely unrelated. <laughs> And then fall in love with that and end up teaching that for however many years. Mm -hmm. yeah. My biggest concern is like first days. I know we've been taught like you probably aren't going to teach any um, actual lessons on the first week of school even. Like, so how do you design your first week of school so that kids don't go home saying, oh my gosh, this teacher's not teaching us anything. And what do you do at school's day? <laughs> Nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I know for me, my first day of grade one and two, like I was 22, had my own classroom, 24 kids coming in. I was at school till like 10.30 the night before the first day. And I wrote out like a 10 page plan detailing everything I was going to say, like things like open your backpack and get outdoor. And I actually had like written down, like that's how nervous I was for my first day. I think it is really good though, that now you guys get to go out for the first week of school in your second year. Yeah. We didn't get to do that back in my day. So I think at least you will have the experience of being in a classroom for the first week of school. Yeah, just getting to just getting to know the students a little bit, so that when you come back the second time, you have a little bit of like you feel a little bit comfortable with them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
And this podcast focuses on professional learning. And what you guys are offering today is great professional learning for other pre-service teachers, as well as cooperating teachers who are inviting you guys into their classrooms. But just to kind of draw it back to our topic of professional learning, all of you have taken part in professional development experiences. Would you like to share about one that's been particularly impactful for you? For me, the fish philosophy. Fish philosophy. The, we did a uh, professional development on that, and we encouraged as teachers we're supposed to uh, always be there in our classes for our, our students because they all come to school with an, an expectation. So as teachers, we're supposed to be in school, and we're supposed to bring fun and excitement to the, uh, to class to our topic mm-hmm. whatever we teach, and we're also supposed to be very authentic, like. Uh, when you're talking to the kids, be very sincere because they know if you're real, they know if you actually care, they know if you don't care. So we should bring that concern to our kids. It should not be, the concern should not just be about school, it can be something outside the house. I was just um, showing concern and support for them. So that kind of stood out for me and the back, uh, backward backward uh, design, mm-hmm. yeah, planning of lesson. Uh, plan that also kind of stood out for me. So those are the two that. And I what was the first one called? Fish philosophy. Okay, like the people who work in the fish market. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay, I've seen that video where, yeah. like, even though maybe working in a fish market isn't your dream job, <laughs> yeah. the kind of fun that you can have at work and the mm-hmm. the difference relationships make. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For me, um, uh, it was the blanket exercise um, that I just recently attended. That was very impactful, very moving, mm-hmm. and. Um, it uh, gave me a good sense of the broad sweep of the history of Canada's relationship with its indigenous peoples. And um, so that was very good. Um, that would be something that I would, um, I could see it being a very uh, um, good thing to, you know, bring someone in to facilitate an exercise like that with a class, mm-hmm. middle school or high school. Yeah, I took part in it with a grade eight class in Victoria, and it was it was very impactful mm-hmm. for all of us. Mm-hmm. There's two that stood out to me. Um, I participated in a outdoor classroom PD. We spent half of a day just at Grand Valley Park. Um, they kind of set up different stations to show us ways to incorporate um, taking your class outdoors and what activities you can do to kind of help their learning. Um, and the second one I did was called Plicker's Magnets, which was geared more towards the phys ed. Um, however, I don't see why you couldn't use it in any class. It's a great form of assessment. So, I've used Plicker's, but you said Plicker's Magnets? Yeah, so I think it's even better. You, okay. have to, you can either make your own, or I think you could probably buy them, but they're magnets on the board, so each kid has their own number that they, their magnet is. And you put up a multiple choice question on the board, and they go up and answer anonymously because their answer is towards the board. So nobody else can see um, no matter what. There's no cheating, basically. Mm-hmm. And the teacher just takes a screenshot of all the magnets and instantly they have feedback on how their class did and who got what wrong. And Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Okay. So instead Clickers. of them holding up their sheet yeah. in right, front of everyone, right. so I could turn to my partner and say, hey, mm-hmm. what was your answer? It's completely anonymous. Mm-hmm. So. Okay, awesome. we'll have to check that out. Plickers, magnets. Yeah. Okay, good tip. Thank you. Yeah. 
in terms of music education, uh, we have a, like annual conferences that are offered in Manitoba. There's Tempo, which is just an amalgamation of different sessions with conferences for professional development. But then Brown University also hosts their own, which is called Decapo. And it's such a great opportunity for us as uh, student teachers to be able to interact with people that are in the profession and kind of build those professional relationships and be able to gather some new resources or ask some really great questions. And yeah, just in general, those two conferences I find to be so insightful every year whenever I go. Mm -hmm. And Tempo is more for people who are already in the profession, but mm -hmm. student music educators go as well. But DeCapo, which happens every January, is um, created by the students for the students. So we have, we invite presenters to come in on topics that we don't learn about in school. So things like how to run a musical or um, how to work with admin, how to get along with different people in the school. We learn about fiddle. Yeah, one of my favorites that uh, they seem to do I think every year, every other year, is the... Uh, oh, the interview? The one? interview, yeah. yeah we'll so close an interview with um, one of the uh, principals. Yeah, a principal and a fifth-year student, and they do a mock interview mm -hmm. of how to get a job. Oh, that sounds oh, helpful. That's good practice. Mm -hmm. that's so yeah. great. Even just yeah. sitting and watching is a good experience to understand the types of questions they're looking for as well as the types of answers. Mm -hmm. But it is fifth-year ed majors that are just about to go out there to get their jobs in the concurrent program. It's such a great sort of experience to have that sort of idea of what they're about to get into. Oh yeah, it would be nice to see an interview before I have one of my own. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think they yeah. sometimes do that in the faculty of ed though. They do. Professional teacher, Tom yeah. Skinner did. Okay, And yeah. interview with two of our students. And he's intense, so I believe that he gives you a good idea of what it's gonna be. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, no matter how long you've been in the profession, interviews are, are hard, yeah. <laughs> regardless. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, I always like to end the podcast with a takeaway. So I'd really like to thank all of you for giving up your time to be part of the third episode of Teach Like a Boss. It's greatly appreciated. But I think one thought I'd like to leave our listeners with is there's many teachers who open their doors year after year to student teachers. And there's other teachers who have never or seldom hosted a student teacher. Um, like, could you share like one great reason why practicing teachers should be willing to invite a student teacher into their classroom? What do you Maybe think? Maybe we'll bring in something new to them. I don't know. I know a lot of old school teachers that kind of just go by their own routine mm -hmm. each and every day. So, so I don't know. Maybe we can bring in something fresh. Yeah, you're right. It's an opportunity <laughs> yeah. for cooperating teachers mm -hmm. to learn and grow too. Yeah. Because in my last uh, uh, teaching practice, the school I was thinking to, she was like teaching this old pattern of just standing in front and doing all the talking. So when she gave me the opportunity to teach, I started with like the activating activity, I do the videos, things to kind of bring the children's attention. She said, oh wow, I wasn't doing that before. <laughs> then she just kind of go into teaching directly, then I get videos to explain what I was going to teach. She wasn't doing all that before too, so it was kind of good, so we can always bring in something new. Mm -hmm. I think it's also great to expose your students to another teacher in the classroom that might have different ideas or different styles of how to approach certain topics and I think it allows them kind of a moment to kind of think about different ways they can learn the topics that they're thinking about in class and yeah I just think it's better better for students. Yeah, to be exposed to different mm -hmm. teachers. Everyone teaches differently. Mm -hmm. So maybe the way your student teacher approaches a topic might really resonate with some mm -hmm. learners that are harder for mm -hmm. you to reach. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
And as a teacher, you have an opportunity to pass your own knowledge on to someone else, and that can be a rewarding thing. Mm -hmm. I think it also gives the teacher a different perspective of the classroom. So when I was student teaching, if I was at the front conducting, my CT could play trumpet along with the trumpet players, and she could have a closer look at their fingerings and maybe be able to tell who's struggling a little bit more than the others. And if you can sit in with, with the ensemble, you can, you have a different, you're looking at it from a different angle, so you can see different things and see how pe different people are behaving that you don't always notice when you're at the front of the room. And she really appreciated to be able to do that. And she could only do that because she had a student teacher who was leading the class from the front so that she could have a different perspective of the class from participating in it. I hadn't thought of that before, but that's so true. Mm -hmm. I know that's something I've valued before, the opportunity to work more one-on-one -on -one with some of my students because I have a student teacher leading the class or really focus on observing them to figure out what's going on. And then if there was a student that was struggling, she could um, have that student meet one-on-one -on -one with me and then we could go and work on something while she still kept the regular class going. And then we could bring that student back in and instead of them falling behind, we just had a little catch up and then they could re-enter the ensemble and keep going. Well, awesome. and with resources being more scarce in education these days, student teachers do bring a wealth of new ideas and an extra pair of hands mm -hmm. and fresh new perspectives on education. Mm -hmm. So thank you so much for being here with me today and contributing to our Fort LaVos Teach Like a, po a Boss podcast. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for tuning in. Any of the resources or information mentioned in this podcast can be found in this episode's show notes, available at www.flbsd.mb.ca forward slash podcast. Join us next time as real teachers continue to share their journeys and inspire you to teach like a boss.